Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. I, uh, I want to start out, I just want to read a scripture to you that really this is whole song is based out of. And before I do that, for some of you, you're new to church and maybe for you that have been following Jesus for a long time, you may know, have no idea what Jireh means. You're like, who is Jireh? Um, but God in the Old Testament was named Jehovah Jireh. And the context of this whole song was written, and you may remember this, when, when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his first son, Isaac, on the altar. And as he takes him up the hill and as he's about to sacrifice his one and only son, at the last minute, God provided a ram to take the place of his son. And in that moment, he declares out to God, God, you are my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. If you're following that tread, that was a foreshadow to God sending his only son to sacrifice himself for you so you could be atoned for your sin and be forgiven. And so when we sing, Jireh, you're my provider, it's more than stuff, it's your savior. Anybody thankful for that this morning? Come on. So here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six around this idea of him being your provider. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your heart is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so today I wanna continue our series, Your Future Self Will Thank You, because I really do believe, whether you know it or not, I really believe that your future self will thank you for putting God first, in your finances. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for bringing us here. God, you are the great provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. Can we believe that? God, may you move today in a mighty way. God, I thank you for, I thank you for providing your son. God, I thank you for providing more than enough. God, I thank you that You wanna give us life and life to the full. And so God, today I just pray that we would be available to you because you made yourself available to us. God, I thank you that your presence is here right now. And I just pray that we're not here just to simply go through the motions or check it off our box of religion, but God, that we came to encounter you believing that you're gonna be in this place right now, meeting us where you are, whether you're here in person or online. God, I thank you that you're not confined to a building or confined to space, but you you show up. And so God, we make ourselves available to you. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, hey, if you love Jesus, make a little noise. Say hi to somebody before you sit down, give them a hug, high high five, air high five, whatever you wanna do. Welcome to church today. I am so excited to to continue this series and kick this off. And if you're, if you're new with us and you've been, uh, if you're not familiar with what we've been doing or maybe you've been following along the past couple of weeks, we've been in this series called Your Future Self Will Thank You. And in week one, what we talked about was that your future self will thank you for the healthy habits you've developed. And so there's some things in your life that just because it's 2020 don't disappear when it turns 2021. Right, like that you and I have some habits that God wants to develop in us so that our future self will thank us for them. And then in week two, we talked about the time that you didn't waste. 
that you and I have so much time on this earth, so many times, so much time in our week, and God wants us to use the time to make the most of every opportunity with the time he has given us. Last week, we talked about the relationships you chose. And how many of you know we desperately need relationships, don't we? Brother, we desperately need godly influence in our life. And so last week we talked about how we gotta check our circle because who you are becoming is directly tied to who you're around. And so it's important that you have the right type of relationships in your life because bad company corrupts good character. And, and so today what I wanna do is I wanna talk about an area of, of our life that oftentimes we don't wanna talk about. And, and, and the, the, the premise of this series really is around this idea that you and I, we live in a culture of instant gratification. What I mean by that is that we live in a culture that wants things now, especially in this emerging generation, right? It's why my friends get on to me when, I, when they text me and they see the bubbles pop up and I never respond, right? Like you expect a response then. It's why when you log on to the internet, you don't wanna have to do the dial up back in the day. You don't want it to buffer. You wanna get what you want then, right? It's why you don't wanna wait till next week um, to see who the next bachelor is gonna make out with. You want it now, right? Like you, it's why we watch Netflix. It's why you'll look on Amazon and if it ain't gonna be there in, in 48 hours, you ain't ordering it, right? Because we've been conditioned to we want things immediately. We want things now. And, and, and so we have this today mindset and, and if there's any area where we have a really difficult time seeing into the future, it's this area of finances. If you, if you look at some studies, you'll see that over 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Now, what that means is that if you were to lose your home today, or you, you wouldn't be able to pay your rent or your mortgage next month. Now, I, I don't say that in any way as in a judgmental way or to heap guilt over you. Some of you are on your grind right now. Some of you are grinding and you're doing everything that God has called you to do. And that may mean in a season you're living paycheck to paycheck. But what studies will also show is that the majority of people who are living this way don't have to live that way. The problem isn't that we don't have enough money, it's that we haven't learned actually how to manage it. And so what God wants for you is not a blessed wallet, he wants a blessed life. And so in Proverbs 21, I love what the writer says, he says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. What's he saying? Wise people know, well, just because you make money doesn't mean you automatically spend money. You, you save it, you invest it. And so it says the wise... They're not broke, but the fools spend what they have. What's it saying? They live paycheck to paycheck. They spend everything that comes in. I love what it says in Proverbs 6, where it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Turn to the neighbor next to him, say, you sluggard. Isn't that just a weird word? You sluggard, right? Like lazy. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food for the winter. What does the ant need to know that you and I need to know? The ant isn't simply focused on today. He knows that winter is coming. And for some of us, the reason we don't experience freedom in our finances is because we have a today mindset. We're constantly consumed and focused on all we can have today. But here's what I've discovered. That when you start to realize that tomorrow matters, it changes the way that you live today. Like when you start living with the future in mind and you go, where do I wanna be five years from now? It allows you to kind of back up and see that it's not just about today, it's about the future. And so if you're going to do your finances God's way and you're gonna be a good steward with what you've been given and be generous with what you have, it's important that you, 
that you understand the principles that God has given us. Now, here, here's the deal. I know for some of you, you're like, dadgummit, Cody, you talking about money again? And you're like, I brought a friend this week. Come on, somebody. Well, let me just tell you, I have a friend that drove all the way from Memphis just to be here this morning. He's sitting right here. And so y'all give him applause because he, he knew what I was getting into and he came anyway. So like, I know it, but here's why I'm teaching this, okay? It's not because God needs your money or the church needs your money. That's not it. I'm teaching this because as a pastor, I made a commitment to, to you, but more importantly to God, to preach the full counsel of God, not just the stuff I like. We're not just gonna preach the things that make us feel comfortable and skip over parts of the Bible and rip out things that we don't like. Trust me, like, it's very uncomfortable for me to preach through the Song of Solomon. Because some of you are like, what's the Song of Solomon? If you're an adult, read it. Don't let your five-year-old read it unless you wanna have some combos. It's like rated X, okay? But just because it's not comfortable doesn't mean I don't teach it, right? And, and, and for me, like, I know that for some of you, you've been burned by churches, You've had pastors manipulate, churches manipulate you into believing some kind of lie as it pertains to finances and tithing and generosity. And, and for me, I just wanna tell you, I get it. Because even as a pastor, I mean, there's, there's parts of me that I, I can't stand when churches talk about money. I can't stand when churches talk about finances and the concept of tithing. I don't like it either. I haven't for a long time. Can I tell you why? It may be different for you, but for me, the reason that I had such a hard time receiving anything when this conversation happened was because finances were the one area of my life I wasn't willing to trust God with. And may I just ask you this morning to lean in and maybe your reason's the same as mine. And maybe because trust was broken before in the church you used to go to. But maybe the reason some of us have such a hard time believing what the Bible says about this is because we haven't yet said, God, not just my heart, not just my time, not just my relationships, but I'm gonna trust you with my finances. And so if you don't get anything else, I tell you the rest of the time, because some of you are still like, oh, it's all about the money. Listen, write this down. It's all about the heart. Write it down. It's all, somebody say, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Here's why. It doesn't matter how much money you make if your heart is bankrupt. That's why people with $50 million can commit suicide. It isn't an issue of do they have enough stuff, but it's the fact that there's something missing inside of them. And so this conversation today, it's all about your heart. It's all about your heart. And Jesus, this is exactly what he does in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, when if you were to read from Matthew five to seven, what you're gonna notice is Jesus will continually say things. You've heard that it's said, and he's talking to a Jewish audience here and he's saying, you know what the law says. You've heard that it's taught. You've heard the prophets say, but I tell you, and then he always goes to the heart. He says, you've heard that it said, don't murder. But I tell you, if you even look at someone with anger in your heart, you are a murderer. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. So it's not that the old law no longer applies because some of us are like, well, I don't believe in the Old Testament. That's fine. Don't declare the promises of God then either. Don't, don't start to sing Psalms and, because what we do is we pick out things we love about the Old Testament, but the stuff that makes us feel uncomfortable, like, oh no, I'm good. I don't want that no more. And here's the thing, when it comes to tithing and it comes to giving, it superseded the law. This was a principle that God put into scripture 
before the law was even given to Moses and before the Pharisees added to it some 600 more laws. And so this has nothing to do with the law. Hear me. This has nothing to do with legalism or religion. This is all about your heart. And Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Write this down. Your heart follows your treasure. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart. And and what I mean by this is I'll hear people say like, okay, hey, well, if I love it, I'll give to it. No, you won't. If you give to it, you'll start to love it. Case in point, um, let's say for some of you, you make a decision today to say, you know what, I want to, I want to start, I want to, I want to buy a stock. I want to invest my money into a stock to try to see if I can get something out of it. The, the truth is, is that you have never checked that stock up until that point. You start doing some research and you're like, oh yeah, that's a good stock. What happens though, is when you put your treasure there, you start checking that stock every day. Why? Because your treasure is there now. Therefore, your heart follows. It's the reason why for some of us, we stop investing into our marriage after the wedding day and then wonder where the love went. Why? Because you're not putting your treasure there anymore. Not just you're not buying her stuff, but fellas advice, buy her some things, okay? Not just because you're not emotional, you're not investing, therefore you go, where did the love go? Why? Because your heart follows your treasure. So Jesus says, this is about your heart. It's not about money. And I'm gonna prove it to you as we unpack today. But then he says something really interesting. I wanna continue to read in Matthew 6. So he says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Then he says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, when I read this, I almost skipped over it but I told you I'm not gonna skip over things. I'm gonna have to break it down. Because if you were to look at the passage before and what he says next, it's like Jesus saw a squirrel. Anybody got a problem seeing squirrels? Do it all the time. So watch what he says next. He goes from that and then he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So if you were to back up and you were to look at this passage, what you would see is don't store for yourselves treasures on earth, but in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then Jesus kind of gets on this thing about the eye is the lamp. And then immediately he goes into, so therefore you can't serve God in money. If you were to take the whole lamp thing out, it would completely make sense, right? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Therefore, no one can serve two masters so they'll love one or hate the other. So why in the world is this in here? That's what I ask. And I know you got real jobs and you do other things, but for me, I'm going, that seems really random to me. Why is this in here? Well, I'm gonna explain it as quickly as I can. I tried to explain it to Stuart. He said, that's confusing, bro. You're gonna lose people, but I don't believe him. So are you gonna lean in with me for a second? So what he says is this. He talks about the, the good eye or the, the right eye and the bad eye, your eye. He's saying there's a good way to view things and a bad way to view things. And when you do some study, you see in the Greek that this phrase was used a different time in scripture when Jesus was teaching. So in order to understand Matthew 6, you gotta flip to Matthew 20. And in Matthew 20, what you'll find is Jesus tells a parable. And he tells this parable about a master who hires some servants to do a job. And this job is a 12-hour job. How many of you making that 12-hour shift? Grinding, okay? So he says, you're gonna work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And he hires all these employees and they show up and some of them show up at six and start working. Some of them show up at nine. Some of them show up at noon. Some of them show up at five. And the job ends at six. And then the master 
decides to pay them all the same amount. Now, if you've been grinding for 12 hours, you're like, that ain't fair. I've been working for 12 hours. He's been working for one. How come he's getting paid the same as I am? You tracking with me? Anybody say that's not fair? Not fair. Watch what the master says in response because they start grumbling. They start saying like, that's not fair. What, what, what's the deal? He says, Jesus responding, verse 15, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind and generous to others? So those who are last will be first and those who first will be last. Why are they grumbling? The same reason why you and I grumble. Because they, they decided that they earned it and he didn't. They decided I earned this pay. I did the job. I came to church. I gave my tithe. I served. How are you going to bless them the same as you bless me? Don't we ask that question all the time? So what he's saying is, is he's saying the response is, don't I get to do what I want with what's mine? God is saying, I will be generous as I see fit to be generous. And so when he says that the eye is the lamp of the body in Matthew 6, and he talks about a good perspective and a bad perspective, what he's saying is, is that you need to open your eyes to the generosity of God and see that everything you've been given came from him. It ain't about what you can earn. And so he's saying, listen, you're being so consumed with the worldly stuff that's not kingdom. And Jesus says, I'm first and foremost concerned with kingdom, not worldly. So he's saying, I want you to shift your perspective and stop getting caught up in all of the worldly blessings when you look around asking, how did they get that house or that promotion or that car? It ain't about that. Everything you've been given came from God. James says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. And you and I aren't to compare what we have versus what somebody else has because the truth is none of us earned it. This is how favor works. This is how grace works. It's been like, but that's still not fair. Grace ain't fair, grace is favor. Like it's not about what's fair. You and I don't want what's fair, do we? We don't want God to treat us based upon our actions because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So what God is saying is open your eyes and see this is bigger than you. God is not just confined to blessing you in, in, in the worldly sense, but blessing you in the heavenly sense. Therefore, don't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I, I know that this is hard, but we just sang about Jehovah Jireh. And my question is, do you really believe that he's provider? Do you really believe that? When he says, hey, don't worry about what you're gonna eat, drink, or wear. Do I not take care of the sparrow? Do I not dress the lilies? How much more do I love you? He says to not worry about tomorrow. He didn't say don't plan for it. And so for some of us, the reason we find ourselves so, so much in this like financial strain and we have such a hard time trusting God is because we'll say things and, and be like, I trust my God to save me, but I trust my job to sustain me. I, I, I trust my God to, to comfort me, but I trust my money to give me comfort. Are you tracking with me? 
And so what he's trying to get us to say, see is this, is that what we give to first reveals what we trust the most. I've said it this way in the past, what you worry about the most, you trust God with the least. So what Jesus is saying is, listen, the reason this is important is because so often what stands between what God has for you and where you are is your money. Is because you have looked at this and go, I don't have enough, therefore I'm gonna keep it. And so the question is, do you trust God to provide? Now, some of you are like, I'm not just talking like, well, I, I need more than just the basic needs. I don't wanna eat spam and eggs every day. Come on, somebody. But how many of you know he does exceedingly above all that we can ask or imagine? He says he wants to give you an abundant life. And so he doesn't just meet the minimum requirement. He wants to pour out more blessing on your life. And so it's all about your heart. And some of you are like saying, well, so are you saying that God wants my finances? Yes. You me tell you why? Because God knows that if he gets your finances, he gets your heart. And if he gets your heart, he can change your habits. And if he changes your habits, he'll change your life. And, and so he's saying, listen, it's not, God doesn't need your money. God ain't broke. How arrogant of us to think that God needs anything from us. He's not broke. Everything we have came from him. From his very breath, he spoke the world into existence. He don't need your money, but he wants it because he knows that that's the thing your heart is tied to. It's where your treasure is. And so here's the question. How do we put God first in our finances today so that our future selves will thank us tomorrow? How do we do it? What I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna talk to you about the principle of the tithe. And I wanna explain to you why this is important. And so if you're taking notes and you wanna write this down, here's the definition, the biblical definition of what a tithe is. A tithe is the biblical principle of returning the first, say first, the first 10% of your income back to God through the local church. Now, for some of you like, ah, that's, a, that's, that's not good. I don't like that, I don't like that. And let me tell you why. Because just as Jesus came to give you life, the enemy came to destroy it. I've quoted John 10, 10 a couple times that he came to give you life and life to the full, but the enemy came to destruct you, to destroy you. And what, God, what the enemy has done is that he has perverted the principles of God to distract you from the purpose of God. That's his strategy. He even did it in the Garden of Eden, remember? So what happens in the very beginning when Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, God says, you can eat from any tree you want, except that one with the mangoes. Come on. And you know what Satan did when he came up to Eve? Did God really say you can't eat from any tree? Do you see the twist? He does the same thing with tithing. He does the same thing with your peace. He does the same thing with your joy. God's holding out on you. And so he teaches us and we start to believe a couple of things. Here's how the enemies twist this scripture and why so many of us are uncomfortable right now is because we've started to believe one thing, and this is one that hit me hard, is that tithing is the same thing as generosity. Tithing is not generosity. Let me tell you why. Because you can't be generous with something you don't own. What is the tithe? Returning, meaning it wasn't yours to begin with. And so here's why this is important, because if you check off the box of tithing and you say that you're generous, what happens is you're walking down the street, you see a need, you see somebody who needs help, you see a homeless person that needs money, but you won't give it to them because you go, well, I did that already. I checked off the box of tithing, so I've already been generous. That's not how it works. So we start to go, oh, well, I'm generous because I give something. 
Mm -mm. Tithing is not generosity. Here's the second way he does it, and this is one that makes you uncomfortable, is that he's convinced us to believe that this is a man-made principle. And here's what I'll tell you. I get it if you're skeptical. And I'll tell you, if you feel any pressure from me, like Paul said, don't give. Because that's not the point today. The point's your heart. I'm trying to get to your heart because God wants your heart. And so what he's done is he's convinced you that because some churches and people have manipulated the scriptures, that that makes it not true. And it amazes me how many Christians, Christians now will, will look at the entire Bible, apply the things that they love, but skip over this one because it makes them uncomfortable. Let me just tell you, don't let the manipulation of man cause you to question the character of God. God doesn't change. So write this down, tithing is biblical. It is not man-made. It, it is a principle that is weaving throughout all of scripture, before the law and after it. Tithing is biblical. Watch what it says in Leviticus chapter 27. A tithe, say tithe. A tithe from everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy, set apart to the Lord. Tithe, Hebrew word there, means 10th percent. A tithe of everything from the land, every increase belongs to the Lord. Some of you are like, well, that's Old Testament. Okay, fine. It's biblical. And even Jesus taught about this principle in the New Testament. Not just about generosity, but look what Jesus says about tithing in Matthew 23. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income of your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Watch what he says next. You should, you should tithe. He says, you should tithe, but don't neglect the more important things. What's he saying? Tithing is the expectation. Generosity is the goal. He's saying, you should tithe. What is he saying to religious leaders? You're tithing and think because you tithe, you can treat people like crap. It don't work that way. He's saying, you should tithe, yes. And we'll tell you why in a second. You should tithe, but that doesn't give you permission to go, well, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I trust God with my finances. I can treat my wife bad. So he's saying tithe, but love people. Why? He is about your heart. Say it's about your heart. It's about your heart. So tithing is biblical. And one of the most famous passages you're gonna see, I gave you an Old Testament, give you a New Testament. Let me give you the one that gives us the best idea of what this principle of tithing looks like in our life. If you're gonna honor God with your finances. Malachi chapter three, starting verse six, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Say return. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So then here's what he says to do. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me, say test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. This is the idea that God is trying to, to teach us something about this idea of tithing. And again, it's about your heart. I'm gonna tell you why. Have you ever, let me, let me maybe illustrate it this way. Have you ever, uh, have you ever like 
lost something that you, you let somebody borrow. It wasn't theirs, but you lended it to them and then they took it and didn't get it back. It's frustrating, right? Um, and, and so I just start, started to think about this and I think this happens a lot. I've actually lost my bags in airports multiple times. That's why I now do carry-ons, come on somebody. Um, but have you ever paid attention when you're in an airport um, to the little announcement that comes over the, the, the sound thing at times? Have you ever paid attention to it? So there's these announcements that will scroll and they'll, they'll warn you about people taking your bags and that kind of stuff and being aware of stuff. Check this, check this clip out because I'm about to preach on a, uh, on an, on a video clip. Attention, baggage and personal items should not be left unattended. Please do not accept or hold any baggage from a stranger. Any unattended items found will be treated as suspicious. Now, what does it say? Don't leave your bags with people because if you do, you're being dumb, right? Like, essentially, that's what it says. And some of y'all are like, I leave my bags with people all the time. Why? Right, like, you just walk up to somebody like, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom. Can you hold my bag? Be right back. Sure. Okay, cool. What are y'all doing? Like, at least find, like, an old lady who looks nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, you at least look, find somebody. Can y'all bring out my bags, by the way? You can sit them right here. Don't worry about them. Um, at least find somebody who, like, they look good. You know, like, I can trust you, right? And so you go up. Let's just imagine this, right? Let's imagine you go up and you up. And you, and you go up to the old lady. Sorry, I just think old ladies are sweet. No, nothing against them, okay? And you're like, hey, can you hold my bag? What kind of bag is this? Who, who brought this thing? Um, and you say, hey, can you wash my bag? I'm gonna be right back. I, I gotta go to the bathroom. And she's like, yeah, honey, sure, go ahead. So you give her your bag. You go off to the bathroom. You come back and you're like, hey, ma'am, uh, thank you so much for washing my bag. Um, can I have it back? And she's like, I don't have it. Like, what do you mean you ain't got my bag? That was my bag. I, asked, I, I told you I was gonna come back. Well, I saw this guy walking by he looked like he wanted it, so I gave it to him. It's like, why would you do that? That's not yours to give away. That's my bag. Why would you give away my bag? I just wonder sometimes if that's how God feels about the tithe. Like, like, you, God goes, you, you, you gave my bag away. Like, I, I told you I was coming back. I just told you I needed you to like, I needed you to hold it for just a second. And when I come back, I'm just gonna ask for, for one bag. I, I don't need all 10. See, here's the deal. This is a picture of grace. Like th this is some bags that, that, that God gives us, right? And so what we do a lot of times is he goes, hey, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you more than just one bag. I'm gonna give you 10. I don't think they counted right. There's not 10 up there. That's okay. Um, <laughs> just eyeballing it. That don't look like 10. That looks like seven or eight. But we're going to imagine it's 10. Is that cool? So here, here's what we do, right? He goes, I I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to give you one bag. I'm going to give you 10 bags. And I'm going to come back and, and you can do what you want with, with the bags I gave you. But I'm going to come back for my one bag. And, and, uh, and, and, then, and then when I come back, it's going to be cool. Can I get my people up here? Let me illustrate this. Y'all get up here. Y'all just stand right up here. So just imagine, right, like God gives you, gives you all 10 bags and you take the first bag and like you, you find something, you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this one, I'm gonna give this one to you, ma'am. And, uh, and then I'm gonna get this bag over here and I'm gonna say, what do I need this for? Uh, I need this bag for my mortgage. You, you're the mortgage company. I'm gonna give this bag to you. And JT, what do you look like? You look like a BMW. Yes, I'm, I'm, gonna, give you, I'm gonna give you the BMW bag, right? I should have gave it to Mike. Mike looks more like that. And then you, you go and you start handing around all the things God's given you, right? And, and you give Mike this bag and you're like, hey, take, you, you go shopping. Mike needs some new clothes, right? And so you, 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 you give your bags away. And so God gave you 10 and then he comes back and he goes, hey, uh, you, you, liking my, you liking that job you got you wasn't qualified for? Um, you liking the, you liking that car you're driving? That's great, that's great. Hey, um, I know I gave you 10 bags. I don't need all 10 bags. I just want, I just want the one. And you're like, well, God, look, I got all these bags left over. 
I got extras. You, you can have any of those. He's like, no, 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 that one, those don't have my name on it. The first one did. And you're like, um, where'd the first one go? It's gone. See, the problem with that is it was the first bag that had the blessing in it. What God is trying to get us to understand, he don't want all 10 bags. He just wants the one he gave you that belongs to him. And so many times we, we give the bag away to what we think we need the most. And so for some of us, you're like, God's like, Where, where's my bag? And you're like, oh, my bad. I gave it to the mortgage company. Oh, my bad. I gave it to Starbucks. I got thirsty. And he's like, you can do whatever you want. And so what happens, the enemy gets you. He goes, we get so consumed with going. He says, did God really say that he can't have anything? It's like, no. God said you can have everything. He just wants what his first. Why? Because it takes faith to give first. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's not your bag. God has graciously given you everything that you have and we get so caught up and consumed about making such a big deal that we only get to live life with nine bags and we're like, I gotta give him 10%, what? And it's like, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. Why? It's about your heart. Thank you guys. You guys can have a seat. Take your bags with you. All right, y'all give him a hand real quick. Is that helpful? So, Oftentimes, y'all, we just get so caught up and go, well, that's not, that's, that's too much money. Are you telling me that I have to like change up my whole budget? You got to change up my whole life and center it around God? Yes, you do. Why? Because what you give to first reveals who you trust the most. Who are you trusting? What are you putting your faith in. See, tithing, write it down. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test of trust. And the question on the test is who will you thank? You may not know this, but every single time you get paid, you are taking a test. Whether you get paid once a month, twice a month, every week, some of y'all broke as a joke, don't get paid at all. That's cool. Every single time you get paid, you are taking a test and you are revealing, who am I gonna thank first? Is my trust in that or is my trust in him? It's a test, why, what's it about? God is saying, I wanna know if I got your heart because where you put your treasure is where your heart is. God don't need your money. This ain't about the, this building. It's not about this church. It's about God going, I died to save your heart. I died to be in relationship with you. I graciously gave you everything. And it is a blessing to return to God what is God's. So it's a test, not just for you. But then the only time in scripture we see this, God says, test me. Say, test me. God said, try it. Test me. Test and see if I'm not gonna make good on the promise I gave you. Test and see if I won't provide for you the same way I provided for the lilies and the sparrows. Test me in this. Trust me with your finances. Give it first and see if I will not pour out so much blessing in your life that you will not be able to contain it. I'll tell you why that's important. Because God doesn't just require the tithe from you, God tithes first. God is a giver. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever should believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God is a giver. Can I just tell you this? You may not realize it. Jesus is God's tithe. He gave his first and he gave his best. The purpose of the tithe, when you look back and you see where he says, a tenth of everything from the land belongs to the Lord. He also talks about that every every animal, the firstborn belongs to the Lord. And so if the firstborn is clean, they can be redeemed. If the firstborn is unclean, then a clean lamb has to sacrifice for an unclean goat. I know you're going like lambs and goats. What are you talking about? Here's the purpose. You and I were unclean. So in order to redeem us, he had to tithe his son to redeem you. Are you tracking with me here? Jesus is God's tithe to you. It's God going, you want me to pour out so much blessing? What blessing are you focusing on? He says, I will open the floodgates of heaven, not the floodgates of your bank account. I'm so tired of people telling you that if you do this, that God will do that. That's not how it works. Now, if you, if you faithfully tithe and faithfully give and are generous, could, could God do something miraculous in your life? Could he end up blessing you with a house or a car? Absolutely, but that does, that's not the point because you're focused on the wrong thing. He could do it, that's not the promise. He says, I will open the floodgates of heaven. What do we know about floodgates? First time you see this word in scripture, going back into Genesis, where God floods the earth. Remember that? Why? Because sin was so rampant across the world, God says, I'm gonna send a flood and only the faithful will survive. And when he pours out the flood, when he causes rain for 40 days, it covers every single inch of the earth. This is a picture that God is in heaven and there's a gate stopping the blessing that he wants to pour out into your life so much so that it will leak into every area of your life and you will not be able to contain it. That's where it overflows and that's where you get generosity, the overflow. He says, I'm gonna pour it out, the floodgates of heaven. And as I begin to think about this, we just focus on the earthly blessing. How many of you know the greatest blessing that God poured out on this earth that you cannot contain to yourself is Jesus Christ. He says, test me, see if I won't give you the greatest blessing of all. Test me, see if I won't pour out. And so a lot of times y'all, what we think we need is more money, but really you need peace. And what happens when you don't trust God with the first, you give your blessing away. Tithing isn't about God getting something from you. Tithing is about getting God getting something to you so that he can get it through you. We are to be rivers, not reservoirs. He didn't give you what he gave you just to bless you, to keep it with you. He blessed you to be a blessing, write it down. He blessed you to be a blessing. Tithing is a blessing from, the God, from God. So here, here's what we're gonna do. I just wanna give you a couple things today. What does it look like for you to put God first in your finances? First thing, easy, I've been talking about the whole time, trust God with the tithe. Trust Him. You wanna take my word for it? Take His, test Him. See if 90% with God's blessing won't go further than 100% without it. Here's what tithing communicates. When you tithe and you, you're faithful with the first and you give him your best, not your leftovers at the end of the month, when you give him your first, what you're declaring is God, I am thankful for my past. Tithing is gratitude from the past. It's prioritization in the present. 
and it's faith for the future. God, I trust that you have always been my provider. You will be my provider. And I'm gonna trust that you're gonna keep being my provider because that is who you are. You are the great giver. You are Jehovah Jireh. Are you tracking with me? If anybody's thankful that God is Jireh, will you put your hands together right now and clap? Thank God that he is your provider. So here's the thing, you're gonna, you're gonna trust God with the tithe. Here's the second thing, plan to be generous. Plan to be generous. Like I can't afford to be generous. You can't afford not to. Because how many of you know it is better to quote Jesus? It is better to give than it is to receive. I love what Isaiah says in, 30, in Isaiah 32, eight. He says, generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. What is he saying? Listen, you build a budget, you give God what is God's, you return the tithe, and then you go, I'm gonna plan to be generous. 1% of my income, $20 of my income. I'm gonna plan to be generous because that's what generous people do. And it says they stand firm in their generosity. Why? They don't allow other things to dictate their heart. I'm just gonna be generous. So here's the third thing. So be generous. The last thing is this, start today. When have you ever in the other areas of your life, has God ever go, hey, it's okay to not be faithful today because you're in debt. It's okay to not be faithful today because you still struggle. He says, no, no, no. Why don't you start there? because I did. So why don't you start with being faithful today and trust that I will provide. Plan to be generous. Get on a budget, eliminate some debt. Have some people around you to speak life into, in, into you. I'm not trying to make this seem easy. What I'm trying to help you see is that if God really is the center of your heart, God will not be last. And in just like in every other area of your life, he doesn't take last, he takes first. If you want a healthy marriage, men, you better put God first in your relationships. Your wife doesn't need to be first, God does. Because you can't give her what she needs, only God can give it. But so oftentimes, God wants to give your wife what, what they need through you. I promise you, you begin to put God first in your relationships, you will start to see your relationships become God-centered. But you can't have a God-centered relationship unless he's at the center. So will you put God first today, whatever it may be? For some of you, your next step may say, I've never put God first in my life. Today, I'm gonna trust him. Today, I'm gonna give him my life. I've never given him my heart. This is the thing. Money's been the thing. Provision's been the thing because I struggled. I grew up in poverty and it's hard for me to really trust God. And God's going, will you please trust me? Test me and see if I will not pour out blessing in your life. And so today you're going, I'm gonna give my life to him, trusting that he is Jehovah Jireh. For others of you, your next step is to begin tithing and being faithful with what you have. It's to begin to go, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tithe, I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna do exactly what God calls me to do and stop, and stop ignoring the thing that makes you most uncomfortable. And so right now, I just wanna, we'll close with this. Um, you have a connect card under your seat. Will everybody grab one of those and wave it in the air like you just don't care towards me? Just wave it up. Wave it in the air once you have it. Come on, I'll wait on you. We're closing. Don't worry, you got time to go get lunch or brunch or whatever you're doing next. All right, perfect. Wave it around like you just don't care. Come on. All right, so here's what I want you to do. Everybody in the room today, I know like some of you think this is for first time guests. It is, but it's not. We wanna help you take your next step. 
So even if it's just as simple as how can we pray for you, we're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. It ends next week. I wanna be praying for you by name this week of what you're believing God for in your life, what you're believing Him to say, hey, I'm believing He is Jehovah Jireh. I need Him in this area and I'm gonna trust Him with it. Whether it be your kids, your finances, your home, whatever it may be. So I just want you to know we can pray for you, number one. The second thing is that whatever your next step is, if it's to give your life to Jesus, let us know. We wanna walk with you. We don't want this to just be a one-time decision where you check it off a box and think you're good. You need people in your life. For others of you, it's begin to give. If you wanna give, do that in person. You can do it online. You can do it through a text app. We make it really simple. For others of you, it's to get baptized. That's why next weekend, we're having baptism Sunday. Come on, anybody excited about that? Come on. It's to go public with your faith. What does that declare? I have put God first in my life. I trust Him and I want everybody to hold me accountable to it. Some of you need to sign up to be baptized next week. For those of you who to join a group, we just wanna know what your next step is. We wanna help you in this journey. We're not here to take something from you. We're here to get something to you because we believe you were called to make a difference. And you have no idea what God wants to do in and through your life. So right now, will you stand? I'd love to pray for you, especially those of you who are making that decision to follow Jesus today or for going public with your faith. And if you will, and you're believing that today and first, today, if you're, if you're putting God first in an area that you've never put Him first in right now, will you just lift your hand? I wanna pray for you. If you're saying yes to God in an area, any area of your life where you're going, hey, I wanna trust God today in this area. I wanna pray for you, lift your hands in the air. God, thank you so much for everybody in this room. God, thank you for them putting you first in whatever area it may be. God, but right now I pray specifically for those who are giving their life to you today, who are making you priority, who say yes to you. God, only you can save. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sin. And right now, I just wanna pray this out loud for those of you who are coming to Jesus for the first time today. And I would love to invite you to pray this out loud with me to for the benefit of those who are saying yes. Will y'all pray this with me? Will you say, God, I love you. Today, I put you first. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven and set free. That is enough. Today, I give you my life in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Come on, church, put your hands together. Everybody made that decision. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.